0: Hey, it's me again. Now, this week's podcast is back to the core of my notes. It's been a few weeks since a more personal and intimate session, and I've been making notes upon notes upon notes every single day. I've got a lot to cover off this week and a lot to get off my chest. There's been some highs, there's been some lows, there's been some difficult points, there's been some celebratory points, and there's been some absolute epiphany moments. So, I wanna get those shared with you this week and find out what you think. So without further ado, here's episode nine, The Silent Entrepreneur by me. So the first bit that I wrote in my diary that I want to discuss is a really simple phrase or a really simple sentence, really, which is the beauty of solitude. Now, the reason for that is that historically in the past, I've always been built with a view that I don't have any time for myself. Um, you know, if you were to quote things that I've probably said in the past, that busy people say, I can't sit still for five minutes, I need to be more productive doing something else, there's not enough time in the day, to do something for myself. You know, time to myself is something I can't afford to do right now. And actually, um, there's a reason why I wanted to talk about this particular topic, which I'll come to in a minute. But I do think that the busier you are, the more of a benefit, a little solitude can actually be for you. Now, here's how this is now factored into into my notes this week. So before Christmas, short period before Christmas, Sophie, my partner, caught COVID. Now, um, I either stay with her, catch COVID and, you know, potentially not see my kids over Christmas and that sort of thing. Or what I did decide to do was stay away from the house. She had COVID. She She had a couple of days where she was really, really bad with different things going on. She really struggled for like two or three days mainly. I decided to sort of stay away from the house, which was difficult knowing that she wasn't very well. But I decided to stay away because what I didn't want to do was to get three, four, five days into her positive test and then develop a positive test on my own, which would have meant that Christmas Day for everybody that we're hosting Christmas dinner for, uh, my kids coming over on Christmas Eve, you know, all those things wouldn't have happened at all. So I decided to stay away and basically base myself from the office um, until she was COVID free. So that's why it's factored into my uh, notes because I've had some solitude forced on me and I've made that decision to go and, to go and get that. So I think because... My life's quite hectic. I mean, in my opinion it's not, but everybody that I seem to come into contact with, whether it be friends or, or family, are always reminding me that my life's hectic and I should slow down. And if you look at things that, you know, on a normal week that I've got going on, I mean I run a couple of businesses that I'm involved with, which again, in this in, in, in this um, at this time with COVID and brexit and loads of different things happening is there's some great positives but there's also some some real challenges with that i've got a couple of of children that i've mentioned before in podcasts um freddie who's eight and and faith who's 16 i'm responsible for various different school runs multiple times per week they've got different clubs that they're going to every week whether it's dance a couple of dancing runs a week or whether it's uh, football training or, or football games with, with Freddie. I go football training and have a football game um, once or twice a week as well. Um, we have to walk the dog a few times a day because we've got a big Akita called Bear and you know obviously he needs to go out and we want to spend time with him. Um, I want to see friends. I want to see family. I want to have some time at home. Whether that's with Sophie or whether that's just upkeep of the house regarding housework or cleaning. I want to have some time where I can work out as well, which I've been doing really bad at over the last few weeks, which is really pissing me off, but um, hopefully it can change in, in a few weeks' time. Um, you know, things like seeing Sophie's nan and spending time with family. So um, there's quite a lot going on in any given week. And I'm sure there's some stuff there that I've forgotten to, to, to note down that, that's in there as well. And I think. Reading an article by Amy Morin, who is a best-selling author in the kind of mental strength arena, and she mentions about things like having time alone and why solitude and that time alone is really, really important, and what it can do actually, controversially, as a positive, rather than people looking at spending time on your own as being a negative most of the time, I think turning it on its head and actually using that time alone to do different things and focus your attention in different areas is actually quite a positive thing to do. And it shows mental strength. Um, Some of the things that she notes down with her, with her study is it gives that solitude time gives people a clear time to think. And people, when they've got clear time to think usually have more creativity. And if you think that the old adage is, you know, you come up with your best ideas when you're sitting on the toilet or when you're in the shower, why is that? Because you're not, In in work, you're not speaking to anybody, you've got that time alone, your mind is more relaxed, and maybe you can compute different things that are happening and become more creative and think about things outside the box rather than thinking about the day to day activities or the day to day business work that needs to be done or the priorities or the actions or the tasks for the day. You're actually not thinking about any of those things and you're more relaxed and your mind is more relaxed. Therefore, you can think more clearly. Because you're thinking more clearly, most of the time you can be a bit more creative. Um, I think it's also important to understand when you have time to yourself on your own, it gives you the ability to recharge your batteries. Now, if you'd have said about this element, particularly to me, maybe, I don't know, seven to nine years ago, um, I would have had a very different response, which would have been recharge your batteries. My batteries are fully charged. I'm on it all the time. I'm on 100%, 100% of the time. Um, and I'd have that kind of old fashioned, dinosaur attitude around weakness. And that's probably comes down to historically, you know, male, ma- male showing vulnerability and weakness is actually in the past classed as a weakness, I think, um, and, a, and not a very good trait. Whereas these days, I think actually being strong enough to talk about things that you struggle with is actually a very good sign that you are um, mentally strong and able to adapt and deal with certain situations. But I certainly feel that having time away from the normal day-to-day, away from your partner, away from your kids, away from work, away from friends and having time on your own in whatever format that you feel is best for you, whether that's going on a walk, whether that's spending time in the office on your own, whether it's um, going to the gym a few times a week and putting your headphones in and zoning out, um, whatever it is, whether it's, Recording a podcast like what I do, Um, whatever it is, it gives you the ability to recharge and refocus and definitely recharge those batteries. Because if you don't look after yourself and if your own batteries are at 50%, then what are you going to be able to do for other people? Whether that's friends, family or colleagues or suppliers and customers at work. So recharging your batteries, I think, is a really, really important one, especially as we, we, we enter and we're over the kind of Christmas period, New Year period at the moment. Having that ability to recharge batteries, I think, is really, really important. Um, also, and we spoke about it in previous podcasts as well, I think when you've got time on your own, you naturally do, a, do more self-searching, self, soul a bit more self-searching, reflection, I think it's important. I think reflecting in the right areas is important, and we'll come on to areas where it might not be so positively to, 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 to reflect shortly, and another point, actually. But reflection, I think, is really, really key. As long as you're reflecting in the right areas and you're being honest with yourself around those reflections, then I think reflecting and having time away to do that is really, really key. And I think that's really powerful to be able to be honest and reflect on what's happened in that particular day, week or or month. Um, I think when you have time on your own also, contrary to what people may think, I think when you have time on your own, it shows mental strength and it builds your self-esteem I've certainly found having time to myself, when I have time to myself, I enjoy time to myself. Now, it's not because I don't want to be at home, because I absolutely do want to be at home. And if I could choose one or the other, I'd be at home. But there are times where you want to have that break. And I think that when you make a choice to look after yourself, that shows strength. It shows mental strength in yourself to make that choice and be strong enough to do that. Um, And also, I think it shows a sense of a strong self-esteem to make an actual choice to look after yourself rather than potentially looking after others. Because I've said it millions of times, um, there's a reason why on an aeroplane, when the you're instructed, uh, it hasn't happened to me and hopefully it will never happen, touch wood. But um, when you're instructed and you have that flight demo around the um, the, ma- the air mask that comes down, is to put your mask on first and then put on the mask of other people because... You can't. If you can't breathe yourself, how can you help other people? And it's the same analogy there around your own self-esteem and I think your own mental strength. I think when I'm in solitude, I always come up with a list of things that I need to do to get you know that I want to that I want to tick off when I'm on my own, and that makes me feel good because I'm more productive and I'm happier when I'm busy and productive, whether it's on my own, on my own or, or part of a team. So I, I, I personally get a lot done when I'm in solitude, when I'm on my own, I get a lot more done. And I feel like I'm 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 easier to focus and I can I can get a lot more done on my list. Um I think also you get stronger going on from the kind of mental strength and the self-esteem point. I think you get stronger when you have time alone and especially when you make a choice to have time alone as well and I think it adds to your sort of personal resilience because in my opinion, you know, especially for people that are listening to this that are in leadership positions or people that are working tremendously hard to provide for themselves and their family or, you know, people that have just started a business or serial entrepreneurs. I think when you're a business owner and you're running a business, resilience is one of the most key traits that you absolutely must build up if you're, if you're going to stand the test of time and and make things work for yourself. Whether that is a one-man band, a plumber, an electrician, or whether that's running a, a tech organization with hundreds of people in it, I think resilience is 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 so key and it's such a big trait along with your attitude and work ethic. You know, resilience is on the same power as those things. And the reason for that is because when you're when you're in your life and you're or you're running a business or both of those things, I think, you know, there's a lot of stuff to deal with. You know, a lot of stuff to deal with, a lot of shit to deal with stress money day-to-day things that crop up people clients customers partners finding that balance between all of those things plus your personal life which was spoken in 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 other podcasts so i think building your resilience up is really really important so what i've done here is i've had to think about how i deal with resilience and how I deal with tough situations. And I've made some points here, which I think are well worth discussing and talking about, which may help people build that resilience up, build that layer of armour up and up. Um, So if something, I mean, your resilience gets tested when something happens. And it's usually something bad or challenging or both, usually. So I think the first thing that I used to do is I used to take things to heart when because I care so much about the business and my family and people in general, I care a lot and sometimes care too much. And, I, and that's something that I don't ever want to change because I think it's a positive trait for me. But what happens when something challenging happens is I usually, I usually take that to heart. I don't take it on the chin and forget about it. I take it to heart and I overthink it. Um, I think nowadays what I've tried to do more is to stop pretending that that, thing's ha- that, that that thing hasn't happened? Because I think sometimes you, you pretend that it hasn't happened, you compartmentalise it, you forget about it. Well, actually, it has happened and you need to deal with it and you need to front it out. And I think back maybe seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, I would pretend like something's not happened, which isn't really dealing with it at all. It's just kind of shoving it into a corner of my brain and not thinking about it. But I, I absolutely would... Pretend it's happened, pretend it's not happened and compartmentalize it and not really deal with it. And I think thinking and looking back to my past with certain situations that have happened that have been really painful and challenging is that pretending it's not happened or compartmentalizing that tough challenge or time, it leads to blame, it leads to pain, and it always crops up further down the line exactly when you least expect it, which can sometimes be even more painful and embarrassing than it would have been at the start. I think it's important for me and the way that I've I've dealt with things, you know, certainly when I've gone through tougher times and difficult situations is try and learn healthy ways to deal with those challenges because we all deal with challenges. You know, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're not got a job and you stay at home with the kids, you've got challenges there, loads of challenges there. If you've got run three, four businesses, and don't stay at home with the kids, you've got loads of challenges there. If you're somewhere in between, or you're doing a mixture of the two, or you're working a normal nine to five job, but you just you know, struggle to deal with your, your own head and your own situations and stuff like that, there's challenges and difficult situations in every single walk of life and in every single business. So I think the first thing that I've tried to do over the last couple of years, really, more, more than not, probably two, three, four years, is just to change the narrative on that challenging situation and not overthink it too much and not take it personally. So what, what I mean by that is, I think the best way to think about it is, and explain it to you, is negative thoughts lead to procrastination about those negative thoughts. That then leads to more negative thoughts and then leads to more procrastination on those negative thoughts and then more negatives and more procrastination and more thinking and more negatives. And it's just this Circle of ever building negativity, which it's really, really difficult to get out of once you're in it, because then that leads to leads to things like procrastination, it leads to negatives, it leads to overthinking, it leads to poor mental health, it leads to excuse making, and it leads to just unhappiness and stress and anxiety in your own head, which is which is bad. I think the first thing that I've tried to do a lot more over the last few years, rather than bottle things up, and pretend they haven't happened and kind of shove it into a corner of my brain somewhere and never let it out. The first thing to do for me is do exactly the opposite. Let it out, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's challenging, whether you're embarrassed. I think the first healthy way to learn to deal with a certain challenging situation is to let it out. Now, there's different ways you can do this. There's different ways that I do this. I mean, I have this podcast. This podcast, I've said it before, is a bit like self-therapy for me. Um, whoever listens, listens. Whoever doesn't, doesn't. You know, I'm very grateful for the people that like and share the podcast and that interact with me and talk about uh, talk about the podcast and give me feedback and ask me questions and check in on me and I check in on them and all that sort of stuff. And from from organizing and doing the podcast, I've built a network of friends and family that I didn't have before, which is fantastic, and it's turned some of those negatives and challenging situations into real positives for me. Um, talking on this podcast is my out. Also, talking to other people may be a bit more challenging, so I'm talking in a room now and there's nobody here and there's nobody to, to to challenge me on it. So maybe it's a bit easier. But talking to other people certainly helps, and also talking to yourself. Now, you might think this is a weird thing to do. I have a lot of times. Days, weeks, months, well, I think back. And actually, when I'm going through challenging situations, I'm going, most of the time when I'm, over, when I'm thinking those challenging situations, it's in solitude, whether I've come out somewhere or whether I'm on the way to an appointment or on the way to somewhere in the car. And I'll have that 20 minute, 30 minute, hour, two hour period, dependent on my drive. And it will give me a chance to talk to myself and talk myself through situations as if I'm talking to somebody. Now, you might be thinking to, thinking off the back of that, you might be thinking, Jesus, If you got like a friend sitting on your corner or something, you know, you're going going mental, you're turning weird. But talking to myself, I feel is probably one of the most healthiest ways that I deal with certain situations because off the back of talking to myself and talking myself through it in my own head, but actually speaking it out loud. So I won't just think it, I'll speak it because the fact that I've spoken about my problem or my challenge immediately makes that challenge more palatable and more... Um, it gives me the ability to overcome that challenge and think about it because I've expressed what I'm struggling with verbally. Off the back of doing it verbally, I'll write it down. And what I'll do is nowadays, I'll give myself 10, maybe 15 minutes tops to write down everything on a bit of paper about the, that particular rough Uh, challenge or that situation that's really, really difficult. And I'll time myself, 10, 15 minutes tops. And I want to write everything about it. And usually I end up writing maybe a page, page and a half, couple of pages of of scrappy notes. And then what I'll do is reread it. Because if you think about the process of dealing with a difficult situation, that first kind of process is to understand um, in your own head what that situation is and try and deal with it. The second element is to verbalize it. The third element is to then write it down. The fourth element then is to reread what you've wrote down. And actually already at this point, probably 50% of the way through of dealing with a situation, you're already three or four times in actually understanding that situation better. And I think off the back of rereading that situation, it gives me the ability to pull the plug on the bath. Now, this has been said in, in a previous podcast. I think it was episode seven when I met with with Rob Allen, who who, who um runs the, he's a founder of the Sands United football teams. And he, he won a Pride of Britain Award a few months ago for his kind of um for his work in supporting men's mental health and baby loss with, with Sands Charity. And he mentioned something that's absolutely stuck with me. Mental health and your own happiness is a bit like a bath. The tap is always running. That bath is going to fill up. Sometimes you have to pull the plug. And let it out. And for me, this podcast is a way of pulling the plug. If you don't want to do a podcast or you don't have access to the equipment or whatever it is, just talking yourself through to start when you're in the car, when you're walking around, when you're walking the dog and when you're on your own in your own sort of company and solitude, taking five minutes to talk to yourself about the problem and actually verbalizing that to yourself and uh, not just thinking it in your head is, is giving you the ability to take some of that water out of that bath and stop it overflowing, because if that water overflows, your house and your room or your bathroom and your house is, is ruined, and sometimes your mental health can't, can't bounce back from that. So I think the ability to pull the plug is really, really important. And talking myself through things, doing this podcast, writing things down and rereading, rereading what I've wrote actually gives me the ability to pull the plug on that water and let some, some stuff out off the back of pulling the plug and writing down what the issues are. I always find it really, really useful to analyse what I've wrote and come up with maybe three, no more than two or three, um, positive actions off the back of what I've wrote down. Now, in order to come up with those positive actions, I ask myself some questions, things like, you know, what would happen if I did nothing in this situation? You know, how does that affect how I feel? How does that affect other people that are close to me and how they feel? how will not doing anything about this situation and you know pretending it hasn't happened or compartmentalizing this particular challenging situation, if I do that, how will that make me feel short, medium and long-term? What effect will that have on me, my business, my people, my family, my kids? And when you actually ask yourself those, those questions, off the back of it, there is usually one or two actions and takeaways of stuff that you want to do to make sure that scenario doesn't happen again or ways of dealing with the scenario differently or better than you did to make you feel better moving forward. And I think in doing that, you build a confidence, not a fear for that challenging and negative situation. So I think sometimes people can fear those situations and I think building a resilience and building a confidence around those situations is so vital and so important. And the way that I do that is by going through that process. And then at the end of that process, what I'll try and do over the next few days, weeks, or months is actually try and make myself face little bits of that situation again, little by little, so it's in my control. So I'm not just throwing myself into it. So if I, for example, if I I was scared of heights, I wouldn't get on a plane. It's not, I'm not, I'm, you know, my, my process wouldn't be to go and force myself to go and get on a plane if I was scared of heights or force myself to go and do a bungee jump or force myself to jump out of a, a plane because I don't think that I'm in control of that situation. I'm just throwing myself into it. What works for me, short, medium, and long-term, what makes me feel better is by taking those incremental, smaller, uh, uh, smaller steps, a bit like compound effects, Um, around other solutions and and situations, those little steps to get me there. And then I'm facing up to that negative and that challenge bit by bit. And the important thing that I'm doing with my own mental health and my own resilience is I'm doing that at my pace and I'm doing it under my control and not somebody else's control. So I think off the back of that, you know, if you want to be Creative, if you want to reflect more, if you want to recharge your batteries, feel better, if you want to build empathy within yourself, if you want to get to know yourself better, and if you want to really build your resilience and build your suit of resilience armor up and up and up, give yourself time, give yourself diarise time to spend time with yourself away from other people, whether that's every day for a couple of minutes a day, whether that's every week for half an hour, an hour, or whether that's you know, a day a month out of the office or away from uh, a certain situation on your own, in your own solitude to reflect and give yourself time. So the next thing in my, um, in my notes here, are uh, uh, sorry, is the notion of never giving up. Now, for me, this is one of the most undervalued traits in business, in society as a whole, in human nature, is the ability to never give up. You know, if you want to win and you want to be successful at something, then how can you ever be beaten by somebody who never gives up? So example of this very recently, and the reason why it's made it into my notes, is my son, Freddie, who's eight, absolutely lives and dies football. You know, after school, he wants to play football. He gets home, he wants to play football. He's got a training session once a week. He wants to go early. He wants to stay after. He wants to play at the weekend. He wants to keep playing with his mates during the week. He's absolutely football mad. And I'm not just saying this because I'm an over-exuberant parent that thinks that Freddie is the best thing since sliced bread. He isn't the best thing since sliced bread. There's better players out there. There's also worse players out there. But there's certain parts of his game that I really, really like. And there's certain parts he needs to improve on. I mean, on the pitch, you know, he'll have his off days. He'll have games where he's absolutely fantastic. But he he displays a knowledge of the game, communication, skills on the ball and without the ball. He's quick, uh, just like I used to be super quick when I was younger. Not so quick now, nowhere near as quick now. But he's got a real rapid speed because he's got quite a low centre of gravity because he's quite small. He's really determined. He shows teamwork. Um, he's got an absolutely cracking right foot when he catches one. And he shows compassion and empathy for other players on the pitch. If people get hurt, he'll be the first one that runs over and wants to try and pick them up. If if we concede a goal and our goalkeeper's not very happy and at that age sometimes they get a bit upset if they're conceding goals, um, he's the first one to go over and kind of put his arm around the shoulder and and, and try and say something to console that person. So all of those things are great. And, and he, there's there's games where he'll display... More of certain aspects of that than others, and there's like I said, there's games where he'll be absolutely incredible, like he was a few weeks ago against the side. He was the best player on the pitch. The weather was awful, and it's the best game I've ever seen him play. He was incredible. Um, and then there's games where, you know, the next two games after that, he was pretty pretty ordinary. So it's a little bit up and down at his age, and they struggle to sort of get the consistency. But he's really enjoying his football. But the one trait out of all those things that I mentioned, the one that I didn't mention that I'm most proud of for him. And the reason why it's made it into my notes is the ability to never give up. He runs and runs and runs. It doesn't matter what the score is. It doesn't matter whether he's got a goal, not got a goal, what the score is, whether they're winning, losing, drawing, uh, whether he's on the pitch or not on the pitch. You know, he he absolutely never gives up um, and he never stops running. He never stops trying. And that's something that I'm really proud of him for. I mean, there's been matches where, you know, in, in under eight football, Young football, you know, you could have landslide matches, you know, you could go from 3-0 down to winning 10-3 within about 20 minutes in one half. You know, it's it's that sort of game. You score three or four goals in a very short space of time because it's very, very inconsistent and a bit up and down. But there's been a couple of matches this year that, you know, he's been after sort of 10-15 minutes losing 3-1. I remember, you know, he lost three. Well, we ended up losing that game 5-2, but he never, he kept going the whole game or 5-3, I think it was, to end up losing, but he didn't stop the whole game. And I'm more proud of him for those achievements when his back's up against the wall, the team's up against the wall. Maybe they're losing or struggling with challenges in the game and the weather's crap, the wind's up, it's really cold. And I'm really proud that, that Freddie is one of these players that will just get up and get on with it. Um, whether it's cold, whether it's wet, whether it's re- rainy, He's not going to flake out of it. He's not going to not going to try his best. He's going to put an effort in and never give up the whole game. There's been games where he's been three nil down. Uh, they drew three all. Guy didn't stop. He just didn't stop running. The lad never stopped running. And the reason why I wanted to put this short point in here is I just feel that never giving up is a very undervalued trait in 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 society and in business as well. It's very very difficult to beat someone who never gives up. So you know. I strive more this year and more next year to never give up. Um, Like Freddie, you know, it's one of the things I'm most proud of about him and something that I think that he inspires me to be better at, which is never giving up. And look, in the the spirit of honesty, I think there's been times over the last few weeks since I jumped on this podcast alone um, where there've been bits that I've really struggled with, really, to be honest with you. I feel like there's been quite a lot of negativity thrown in my direction over the last probably month or so two to four weeks, and that can be varying different things, but it causes stress, anxiousness, you know, and I feel like there's been elements of dishonesty and betrayal in my life over the last month or so from certain people, and it's it's hurt because it's hurt more because these, the, these, these people are people that are quite close to me, um, and they probably haven't done it maliciously, but i felt that there's been elements of people or situations to do with the business that have been really, really tough over the last month. Um, And I feel there's people within the business, uh, friends, family, and also people close to me that have let me down a bit. And I feel a little bit let down. And I think, you know, going through a tough COVID period for everybody, um, and everyone with their own situations, it's hard. And I'm not sort of pinning the blame on on everybody else. But um, I think, it makes the one thing that I have taken from the last sort of month or so that have been quite, quite stressful. And like I said, I've felt in in parts quite, quite alone and quite betrayed from some sort of dishonesty. I think what I've learned from that, and in the spirit of my first point about resilience today is that when you have that sort of behavior and challenges from people you love and you respect and that are close to you, it's the hardest to take. But I think it's quite important not to necessarily dwell on that. In the spirit of, of resilience, find a way through it. And, and I've certainly found a way through it and I'm feeling a lot better now. And I'm looking forward to an amazing 2022. And with that comes new opportunity. It comes a new year. It comes new optimism and the point that i want to come on to next that i've wrote next in my uh, on my notes is new year's resolutions now it's widely known that new year's resolutions are quite slapdash and i think you know there's a there's a survey done in 2020 by Forbes that shown that 8 to 12% of people felt that they achieved their new year's resolutions in 2020 according to their survey and 64% abandoned their new year's resolutions after one month i mean those percentages are ridiculous, really, when you think about it. It's a, such a small percent of people that they surveyed they fe- that felt they actually achieved on their resolutions. And, uh, and, uh, and over two-thirds, nearly two-thirds of people abandoned their goals and aspirations for that year within the first month of actually setting them. Now, those stats are ridiculous, really, when you think about it. Why, why is that? It got me thinking. Now, I wrote down some things here just to sort of discuss around New Year's resolutions because I'm in two kind of parks here on this. I think re- there's a few reasons why people abandon their New Year's resolutions early, and there's uh, also the same reasons why probably a lower level of percentage than what I thought may actually achieve on their goals and aspirations for that year that they set. Um, I think a lot of the resolutions that people set just follow the crowd. They're not necessarily realistic or personal to that individual. And I think if you're gonna if you're gonna set a goal doesn't even have to be a new year's resolution if you're going to set a goal of any kind you know it's got to be personal to you because any goal that you set is an overachievement of what you think you're capable of and it's going to take a degree of sacrifice and commitment and work to actually get that goal achieved and I think that if you've got something that's completely unrealistic or something that's not personable to you individually it just means that when the time gets tough and, and let me tell you the time will get tough many times over a year period on that goal is that you'll just end up giving up. Um, there's, no, there's no real meaning of it to, to, to people. So I think one of the main percentages of why, one of the main reasons, sorry, why that percentage is so low is that the goals are unrealistic and they're probably not personable enough to that individual. There's no meaning and why behind it. I also think your environment um, plays a, a huge part in goal achievement or, or, or achieving those resolutions that you, that you may set in, in December, late December for the following year. And when I say environment, um, I mean, immediate surroundings, people, friends, family, maybe there's negative people in your life, maybe there's positive people in your life, colleagues, other staff members, businesses that you deal with, people that you watch, social media, influencers, famous people. Um, I think there's so many, when we're saying about a poor environment, is your environment conducive to helping you achieve your New Year's resolutions? Because if it's not, then change it. If there's individuals in your life that are super, super negative, then maybe you need to spend a bit less time with those people. If there's people in your life that influence you in a positive manner, that are championing you, and even better than that, believe in your New Year's resolutions and goals and aspirations for, for the year and want to help you achieve them, they're people that you really want to want to try and spend some more time with. I um, also think that measurement of those resolutions and goals is an important factor, Um, I think people give up because they don't measure. Um, And what I mean by that is checking in on a regular basis as to whether you are on track or not on track. Because if you are on track, that should give you the energy and excitement providing the goal is strong enough and you want it to keep doing what you're doing and to keep going and to keep ahead of the track. So then by the end of the year, you've even surpassed what you originally thought. If you're behind and it's something you really, really feel that's important to you, that should give you a kick in the backside to make another plan or to change what you're doing or to go and find that extra time or energy to go and achieve that New Year's resolution or that goal. But if you're not measuring it, how do you know if you're ahead, behind? You know, you should be able to feel good if you're ahead and keep doing it. You should also be able to feel challenged um, if you are behind and it should give you a bit of a kick kick in the bum. I think a lot of people that set goals as well think they're going to be easy. Um, You set a New Year's resolution, I'm going to quit smoking going to be easy. I'll go back to the gym. Yeah. A couple of times a week. Yeah, that'll be easy. Um, The goals are not specific enough. There's no real accountability there. And people think it's easy. And it's not easy because if it was that easy, you'd have already done it this year. So I think it's important to make sure that you're, you're setting the right goals and they're personable to you. And in terms of accountability, who holds you account? If you think back to your 2020 maybe you set them in the back end in 2019 for 2020 goals and aspirations for, 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 for the year, um, or you set them again in the back end of 2020 for this year that we're, that we're, or the previous year that we're in now. Who's held you to account in that year? Who knows what your goals and aspirations actually are? Because if nobody knows what you're trying to do, then how can people help you be accountable to those things that are important to you? You've taken the time to... Um, to understand what those goals and aspirations are. You've taken the time to think about your New Year's resolutions. You've not told anyone about it, so there's nobody other than yourself that can keep you accountable. Now, granted, they're your own goals and aspirations, so you should keep yourself accountable. But we all know that's not as easy as it sounds. It doesn't always happen when you're in the thick of it and you've got stresses and strains on your life. So I think by writing them down, people don't do that enough. I think if you if you don't write them down, you're an idiot. I think there's there's plenty of people that, will say, I want to give up smoking, I want to go back to the gym, I want to eat healthily, I want to do X, I want to do Y, I want to achieve this. Actually, probably by the end they get to the year, if you ask them, they probably wouldn't actually remember what their New Year's resolution was um, because they've not wrote it down, because they're not accountable for it. So I've been thinking about some top tips that I think are really important to make sure you stick to your New Year's resolutions and you stick to your goals. And it's going to be something that, um, that I work on as part of you know, getting energised and enthralled about, you know, a new year. Um, The first point that I want to make in terms of um, helping stick to your your New Year's resolutions and your goals is to try and change the consciousness before you actually change your behaviours. So I think it was Einstein once said that you can't solve a problem on the level of consciousness that you created the problem. So you know, if you were, for example, mistreated by your parents when you were younger, or you were mistreated by your boss on a regular basis and you felt that it's not the first time you've been treated that way. It's a horrible job. That's it, next year I'm gonna go find I'm gonna go find another job. That might sound like a fabulous and a great goal for you, but it's quite likely that probably won't happen unless you change aspects of yourself first. So if you change aspects of yourself first, you're more likely to attract and sustain positive treatment in your life. So I think that if you if you if you take all of that negativity and you feel and you typically think that you're mistreated and things are unfair and this is the way it always has been, you don't speak up and stand up for yourself and um, and change that narrative a bit. I think that you're always going to have that chronic condition of feeling that you're unfairly treated. So when I, when I mention about changing your consciousness, I think you've got to look at yourself first before you actually go and set you know goals and behaviors that are gonna that are gonna change that are, that are gonna be achieved. I think you need to understand where you're at first from a conscious perspective. I also think then from point two, accountability is a huge, a huge aspect. No accountability structure to sustain change is probably, I would say, one of the biggest reasons why someone would be in that eight to twelve percent of people. Sorry, in that sixty-four percent of people that abandon their goals after a month. And when I mentioned about accountability structure, you need accountability to sustain consistent change over time. And when you're um, in a position, you know, there's a study that was done, I think it was last year, 70% of people who wrote down and sent updates about their goals to friends and family succeeded with their goals. So that's quite a high percentage. And I think you know, if you if you've got the right people around you that want you to do well and that want you to achieve and want you to be be happy, why wouldn't you share your goals and aspirations for that year with the people that are closest to you? Because number one, if they don't want to help you keep to them, then maybe they're not as good a friend or family member as what you think they are. Maybe 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 you should go and find somebody else to get close to. But if they are and you share that with them, not only will you be accountable for your goals. They are also accountable for making you accountable of of those goals. It's why people have gym buddies because you split the accountability because there's going to be times when you're going to the gym where you're not feeling it. It's too cold, it's dark, you're not feeling it, you're not feeling that well and you might need that text or that phone call from your buddy to say, "Come on mate, we're going to the gym." And you might say, "Well, I don't really feel it today." Now, "Come on, I'll meet you there in 5 minutes." You know, we've got to, we've got to do it. And they show a little bit of your they show a bit of strength and a bit of tenacity to help you go and do that. And you feel bad about letting them down if they're going to go on their own. So I think when you're talking about accountability, it can work in different ways. But but for me, for for this year, I'm going to focus on sharing my goals and aspirations with as many people as possible and check in with those people on a regular basis about how I'm getting on because... And again, what I'll probably end up doing is sharing those aspirations on on, on this pod because... That then gives me an extra layer of accountability, meaning that if I quit or if I give up or if I don't achieve, then I've got to go and face the music to the hundreds of listeners that download this podcast every single, every single couple of weeks. So I would definitely, you know, definitely look at point two there as a tip. You know, get yourself an accountability structure and that'll give you consistency to sustain change. So you don't give up after a month or three months. You've constantly got a network of people that are also looking after your aspirations just as much as you. And I think the last point on this is, it's a really simple point, but I think it's overlooked a lot, is when you've set those key goals and aspirations and you've built a sustainable accountability network, you just need to let go. And you just need to not fear achieving the goal. Because I think sometimes... You've got fear of failure. And I think you've also got fear of achieving the goal. Now, people feel guilty about achieving things when you're in a society where, like we've said there, 80%, 90% of people don't achieve their goals and aspirations for that year on a New Year's resolution. So, you know, most of society isn't achieving. People feel guilty about achieving. And I don't think you should. I think you should just let go. Don't fear achieving the goal. It's not got anything to do with anybody else. You're know, you not being disloyal to leave people behind that have given up on their goals to go and chase your goals. That's not being disloyal. You're not being a bad family member or a friend to go and do that because first and foremost, you've got to look after yourself to be able to look after others. So I think don't fear it. There's nothing wrong with being happy and there's nothing wrong with letting people forget about their goals and aspirations. Um, You know, if it means that you're going to focus on your own. And I also feel like sometimes people think that if you're successful don't feel that more success and happiness leads to more stress and, and strain it doesn't always have to be that way it depends how you how you deal with situations just because you're successful doesn't necessarily mean that achieving that goal is going to mean that you're going to be more stressed about it or or whatever so i think those those three points are massive for me that i'm going to take forward and try and try and put put down um, from now onwards it's going to be Changing my consciousness before I change my behaviors and set the goals, making sure I've got a quality, sustainable, consistent accountability structure within my network. And when I set the goal and I've got the network done, I'm not going to fear it. I'm just going to go and give it a great, go and give it my best shot. I'm going to let go. I'm not going to fear being successful. I'm not going to fear being happy. I'm just going to give it a go and see what happens. And also what I'm going to promise to do over the next couple of weeks is I'm going to share all of my 2022 goals and aspirations. Because that is for me using this podcast as a way to soul search, reflect, let things off my chest and and effectively, you know, get some free counseling from all you guys. Um, I don't think there's a bigger way that I can be more accountable than telling my friends and my family and the people that and my kids, the people that I deeply care about, about my goals and aspirations, and also sharing those goals and aspirations with all of the listeners to the podcast. Um, I think that is the ultimate way in being accountable this year and feel free to reach out to me to, to, to let me know how, you know, to, to check in, please reach out and let me know, you know, how you're getting on with your goals. I want to, I want you to be checking in and holding me accountable to mine If I'm committing to something, I want to make sure I'm doing it because it's important. So again, think about that sustainability, uh, accountability network in terms of getting that consistency. Uh, And I want you as the listeners of this podcast, I want you to not only keep helping me with my reflection as you are, but I want you to also hold me accountable this year. Thanks very much for listening to episode nine. As always a huge thank you to everybody listening and viewing the podcast. We've got some fantastic guests, some really unique guests as well for different reasons coming on the pod over the next couple of months in Q1 of 2022. The pod's growing. There's more, more downloads and views on all platforms every single uh, couple of weeks that we release a podcast. Um, I'm feeling great about it. People are giving me some great feedback. So again, I couldn't do this without you. So thank you very, very much. I really do appreciate it. Please reach out to me, whether it's on, on Insta, WhatsApp, Facebook, Twitter, uh, or any of the other medias. And, and if you do spot us in Spotify, Apple Play, audible youtube please leave a review the reviews mean that we go higher up the rankings and the rankings mean that this podcast gets to more and more people so please help me with that look after each other stay safe at this time and i'll see you very very soon